Welcome to the Music and Justice Podcast, where music is more than what's heard on the radio. On this podcast, we will be discussing crime, scandals, and the continued evolution of the music industry. On this week's episode, we will be discussing the case between Dr. Luke and Kesha. We are your hosts, Laura and Ivan. This case deals with sexual assault, gender-based hate crimes, defamation, and a breach of contract. Now, I found this case really interesting because of all of the public support that Kesha got, not only from celebrities, but the general public like ourselves. I also found this case interesting because it's a perfect example how I think that the judicial system is setting women sexual assault victims up for failure and not giving them the support that they need, in addition to how her record label is not supporting her as an artist. Um, coming from my angle, uh, my interest in this case was more of the, the breach of contract and how basically an artist uh, felt safe, unsafe and uh, basically trapped in her profession and how she was basically not able to make music for a period of about five years and then only until recently has she felt safe uh, finally recording music again. Here's some background information on Kesha. Um, She was raised by a singer-songwriter single mother um, who is also her main supporter in all of her lawsuits, Patricia Rose Siebert. Um, They lived in L.A. for a brief period of time where they relied on welfare payments and food stamps. In 1991, they moved to Nashville, Tennessee, where Kesha's mother encouraged her to pursue her music and noticed her vocal talent. Um, In high school, she received a full scholarship to Barnard College, but was unfortunately convinced by Dr. Luke to drop out before her high school graduation to pursue her music career and then return to L.A. A fun fact about Kesha and her family was that she was featured on an episode of The Simple Life. Um, Her musical influences are Madonna, Queen, Dolly Parton, The Rolling Stones, Beck, Gwen Stefani, Um, Some other details about Kesha, she is a vegetarian, an ordained minister, and has presided over many same-sex and heterosexual ceremonies. Um, She has described herself as gender fluid and spent two months in rehab uh, for bulimia. And now for some background on Dr. Luke, who is not actually a doctor. Uh, His name is Lucas Gottwald, with a Z in Lucas, because he's a pretty cool guy. Anyway, uh... He's famous uh, for being a member of the Saturday Night Live band uh, from about 1996 to about the 2006-2007 season. Uh, he is pretty pretty famous. Um, pretty Most people would know him for uh, working with several artists, including Avril Lavigne, Katy Perry, uh, Kelly Clarkson, Pink. He, he helped produce many of their, their bigger hits. He then, in 2011... Uh, created his own uh, record label, Kimosabi Records, uh, which is the record label Kesha is now a part of. Uh, During that time, he also partnered with uh, Sony Music Entertainment. Uh, They now have a collaboration together where they basically work under that umbrella. As far as Kimosabi Records, which is interesting after this case, in uh, April of this year, uh, Sony has officially distanced themselves from Dr. Luke, he is no longer listed on their main website uh, for as a as a main leader of the or CEO of of the record label. Um, he, the the record label itself is no longer accessible from uh, Sony's RCA website, and the the split between them uh, didn't really seem amic- amicable. Uh, later on, as we'll talk about, uh, so Sony 
uh, kind of started siding with Kesha during during these uh, proceedings, and uh, it kind of uh, created a rift between uh, the two companies. Now to get into the meat of this. Um, starting in October 2014, Kesha sued Dr. Luke for sexual assault and battery, sexual harassment, gender violence, emotional abuse, and a violation of the California business practices. Kesha states that Dr. Luke repeatedly drugged her, had sexual contact with her, with or without her consent, and that his abuse caused her eating disorder. Kesha asked the courts to break her contract with Dr. Luke. In June of 2015, Kesha amended her complaint to include Sony Music Entertainment, stating that Sony was fully aware of the abuse happening and failed to investigate Dr. Luke's conduct, failed to take any corrective action, or actively concealed Dr. Luke's abuse. In October of 2014, basically the exact same day that Kesha sued Dr. Luke for uh, sexual assault, battery, and sexual harassment, uh, he then did a countersuit, basically suing her for defamation and breach of contract. This, uh, during this period of time, uh, the fans of Kesha uh, started the Free Kesha movement, basically accusing uh, Dr. Luke of stunting the singer's creative growth, uh, which ended up receiving over 10,000 signatures. Uh, basically, during this time, the, the fans felt that through him suing Kesha, she was not, not able to break her contract, so she was not able to freely make her music. Uh, so this basically angered the fans, and that's why you, you had this whole Free Kesha movement. Which is also very interesting for this case is in 2011, there is a deposition uh, between Dr. Kesha or of Kesha um, answering uh, questions about Dr. Luke uh, regarding um, the her being drugged, uh, her sleeping with uh, Dr. Luke, um, and now we can actually uh, go over what is said in that deposition since that is freely available online. Um, from that original 2011 deposition, which we found online from the Hollywood Reporter, so just Google 2011 Kesha deposition and you should be able to find it, um, we're going to read some of the questions that Dr. Luke's attorneys asked Kesha. So one of those questions was, Dr. Luke never gave you coke or drugs? Kesha responds, Dr. Luke never gave me coke. Question, did he give you drugs? Answer, what kind of drugs? Question. Any kinds of drugs that are not purchasable, purchasable at the pharmacy? Answer. I don't know. Question. Did Dr. Luke ever give you a roofie? Answer. No. Question. Did you ever tell your mother that you woke up in a hotel room in Gottwald's bed and don't recall what happened that night? Answer. I don't know. Question. Did you ever sleep with Mr. Gottwald in the same bed? Answer. Yes. Question. Did And you didn't have an intimate relationship while you were sleeping with him in the same bed? Answer. No. So the reason uh, we kind of brought up these, these deposition questions and answers to begin with is because uh, Dr. Luke's defense is basically using these uh, question and answers against Kesha, stating that clearly they didn't have uh, any intimate relationship or that she, he never gave her any drugs. On the opposite side, some people have argued that these questions don't really mean much since you're basically being de deposed against your own boss, someone that's pulled you out of your school when you were young, someone that you've known for a long time. So in, in my opinion, she could possibly have had fear and uh, any fear of like repercussion against Dr. Luke, a fear of actually losing her profession or even becoming blackballed from the industry. Following the release of the 2011 deposition, in February of 2016, a New York Supreme Court justice ruled that 
ruled against Kesha's request for a preliminary injunction that would release her from Kimosabe records. The judge made this decision to dismiss because this type of contract was typical for the music industry as well as the defendant's vagueness, referring to the lack of documentation and hospital records supporting the alleged abuse. The verdict caused protest outside the courtroom from Kesha supporters and the hashtag free Kesha movement on social media. Dr. Luke later tweeted, I didn't rape Kesha and I have never had sex with her. Kesha and I were friends for many years and she was like my little sister. And later stating that the lawsuit was motivated by money. In February 2016, Sony Music Entertainment's attorney stated that Sony is doing everything it can to support the artist in these circumstances, but is legally unable to terminate the contract to which it is not a party. Meaning that Kesha was initially signed onto a Dr. Luke record label or contract which wasn't licensed with Sony at that time. Um, In March of 2016, Kesha appeals this dismissal. In April of 2016, a judge dismisses all of Kesha's abuse claims due to statute of limitations, alleging the abuse happened initially in 2008. The judge stated that every rape is not a gender-motivated hate crime. The claim of infliction of emotional abuse was dismissed due to insufficient evidence. In August 2016, Kesha dropped her sexual abuse case in L.A. while still continuing her New York lawsuit because the lawsuit in L.A. had been weighing heavily on her mind and, quote, can only pray to one day feel that happiness again. In March of 2017, a judge refused to amend her original case in in March, noting that Kesha had entered a contract after the time period that the singer alleges the abusive behavior began and contradicting the assertion that any alleged abuse would have been unforeseeable and suggesting that Dr. Luke's alleged abusive behavior was foreseeable. At this point in time, the New York Supreme Court case is still ongoing and Kesha is still under contract with Kimosabe Records and she's slated to make five more albums under Kimosabe Records. Now to go back to what Ivan and I uh, were talking about at the beginning about why we're interested in this case in the first place is artists aren't able to create what they wish to do because of how contracts are written up. For example, Kesha had around 70 songs written for her album Warrior and Dr. Luke threw them out and chose to create the album in his creative vision and direction. Well, in my opinion, it's still the responsibility of the artists to know what they're signing. Um, It's still their obligation to arbitrate their own contracts or get someone who is actually informed about uh, contracts to help them out. I mean, Kesha had her mother there. Um, She seemed to have been a, a big part of her life that I think she would have been able to get advice from her. Um, and, and in the case of, of, of what the, the judge had said, there was nothing's really stopping her from, uh, still creating music without Dr. Luke being present. Uh, so, I mean, that's my, my opinion on the contract situation at least. Yeah. I don't know. I think that it's apparent that maybe Kesha and her mom weren't that familiar with this contract. Maybe they didn't have an attorney present on their behalf and just assumed, oh, like Dr. Luke said in his tweet, we're friends. I treated her as a little sister. Maybe they also felt that relationship in the beginning, so they trusted Dr. Luke. They trusted he would do nothing wrong or do anything that would hurt Kesha's future. They trusted. So unfortunately, I think that 
because of that trust that was initially there, that's when the alleged abuse could begin because of being groomed in that regard. That's what happens in a lot of um, cases with uh, pedophiles. They groom these children that they're going to abuse because they established that trust initially. That's how I kind of correlated. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, yes, that makes sense. But I mean, at the same part that <laughs> if there's there's a point where you still enter a contract with somebody that you have to kind of I mean even if she even if she was young I I mean I mean most most of the time you can't sign a contract without at least a, a, a parent present if you're under the age which I'm not quite sure what the ages she signed this whole thing. Under. Well, she was graduating high school and then left, so she's probably between that 17 18 age range. So she's for all intents and purposes, let's say that Kesha's a free-thinking adult. Sure. And with being a free-thinking adult comes the responsibility of, especially entering in business contracts. Sure, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that he wasn't probably manipulative and all that type of stuff, but you still have the responsibility of being adult and entering in these contracts. Well, then what are your thoughts on the fact that maybe business contracts and music industry contracts are potentially a modern form of slavery? It's kind of evident because Kesha is unable to freely create and maybe a lot of other artists feel that way because of their music contracts. Well, so, so this is the other point. So the, the one judge basically said that um, they were going to throw out uh, – Kesha's case because uh, uh, she could technically still make music. There's nothing stopping her from making music. There's nothing stopping her from not actually having Dr. Luke in the room when he's when they're producing. So I kind of side with the law on this one where there's and and she she's clearly doing it now with her newest album that this is she signed a contract she still has to legally she's legally obligated to at least complete the contract. So there's nothing stopping her from making music like she is now. I mean, it, it still is a very shitty uh, aspect that they're stuck with Kimosabi Records, and even Sony can't really <clears throat> help them in this issue. Mm-hmm. But um, she she still has that legal obligation. Yeah, but it took her five years to actually create an album that, from what I've listened to, I think it's one of her best albums. Um that she's made so far because she can finally express what is she feeling as an artist and I feel like especially on the song Praying it's really not just what she felt and how she couldn't express what she was dealing with with the Dr. Luke case but also almost an anthem for other people that are either in abusive relationships or feel that that they're being um, put down by either employers, family members, things like that. Same with the uh, the song "Woman." She is a motherfucking woman, and she doesn't need anyone, man, woman, whomever, to do what she wants and feels that's beneficial to her cause. Sure, and I, I at this point, I feel that as almost the silver lining of what came out of this whole thing. And I mean, just to bring back my point, it. The fact that she's able to make the music now kind of proves the point that she shouldn't have she shouldn't have kind of relied on that breach of contract. And I mean, I'm sure at that time she was feeling she's trapped and everything. At this point, though, I think after five years, she clearly sees that um, she can still do what she wants to do. She doesn't have to be associated with this guy. Mm-hmm. And as we see now, even Sony doesn't really really care about him anymore they're distancing themselves from them as much as possible 
Well, with Sony, I feel like it was... They're almost too late. You know what I mean? In 2016, they're finally like, we're backing our artist. We think it's horrible that these circumstances are happening to her. However, a contract is a contract. So I think they're too late to it, which... Um, do you think that our our part, patriarchal society allows or dismisses this type of abusive and pervasive behavior against women? No, as <laughs> I and that's just my personal opinion. I think in in Sony's case, I'm legally speaking. Once again, legally speaking, what are they going to do? I mean, I, yeah. I mean, they have <clears throat> they weren't initially a part of that contract. They they set themselves. They weren't initially a part of that contract. I mean, the most they could do was keep Dr. Luke out of the recording room, mm-hmm. which it seems like that's what they're doing. Uh, I don't see... I, I don't know. It's a, that's a, it's a tough question yeah. once you're saying, does it, does it allow dismissal? Well, or- then, since we were really kind of like, yeah, the law is the law. She had a contract, and unfortunately, she can't break it at this point. But one of the things that... The judge in this case um, brought up was there was a statute of limitations. Now, me personally, um, I think that statute of limitations is bullshit. We should get rid of it. Why is it that people who were abused um, 20 years ago and are still dealing with that and repressed memories are, and why are they unable to prosecute against their abuser because of statute of limitations? I think that is unconscionable. That are a good example of that would be from a really great documentary on Netflix, The Keepers. Um, those women were abused in the 60s and were unable to bring their abuser to justice. Another example of that feature film, Spotlight. Do we consider changing those statute of limitations to benefit the victim in this case? Because I feel that statute of limitations, especially in this case, and countless others, are protecting the abuser. No, I mean, I agree. Um, Can you remind me on what the... the the statute of limitations was in this particular case? Um, what, what were they talking about? Essentially that the abuse began before the actual contract was initiated. The abuse, the alleged abuse was in 2008. So when this case came to fruition, so 2014-2016, the statute of limitations was gone. So most, play, most states, their statute of limitations um, is within a a few years of abuse, so three. Well, well, maybe I'm misremembering. Uh, I thought you said that the the judge threw that out for it would seem like a kind of a stupid reason because the uh, abuse happened before she signed the contract, mm-hmm. so she should have known of what the problem was before she signed the contract, right? And is, is that the case? I think also the judge said something to the effect that. Um, Every rape is not a gender-motivated hate crime, which, in my opinion, yes, rape is a gender-motivated hate crime. You are purposely trying to demean and um, overpower a person because of their gender. Because for some reason, you as a sick and twisted individual get off to that and are like not happy with you as a person. So you're using rape as a form of dominance and power. No, I mean, yeah, I agree. And then, well, and, and then the fact of... The, the statute of limitations. I think it's. I think there needs almost be a a case that actually gets up to the Supreme Court because I mean, like you said, right now it's basically state by state, and they get to decide 
what their own statute of limitation is right. on these different types of things. Um, and especially, yeah, I mean, we, we've watched those, those documentaries and those Netflix shows. It seems, yeah, it seems kind of crazy that especially rape and sexual assault can, I mean, it is, on most cases it happens when you're a little kid and mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you and don't want to bring it up then. So when it's no. actually affecting you, then you're like, oh, I want to actually get justice for this. You're like, oh no, that was too long ago. You mm-hmm. probably don't remember what happened anyway. Exactly. So. And it's really unfortunate because you see these people who um, suffer most of their lives. I And especially in the keepers, I commend the um, one woman, Jean, whose husband, until his death, death, stood by her side through all of that and going over the repressed memories. And I feel that a lot of sexual assault victims don't have that love and support in their close-knit um, community, be it a family, a group of friends. And that's why you see a lot of statistics. People who are victims of sexual abuse have higher rates of depression, substance abuse, um, suicide, things of that nature. Um, but moving on, I think Ivan and I are fully in support of extending or getting rid of the statute of limitations, but I'd like to touch on something Ivan brought on earlier. Would, and in addition to her, to her newest album, do we think that Kesha is going to succeed and have even more of these like power anthems and, um, have better music now that Kimo, um, sorry, not Kimo Sabe, but Dr. Luke is no longer affiliated with Kimo Sabe. Um, well, that's interesting. So, I mean, I was never into Kesha's, really into Kesha's music. I know that a lot mm-hmm. of, like, a lot of women, a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of guys would listen to it because they're basically party anthems. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. In 2010, that's when, like, when, uh, Animal, her first album came out. So with TikTok and all those really good songs, I was, um, this is the summer before college. So people that are in my age, millennials are all about Kesha. Like, those were songs we can think of. Or like, oh yeah, better times, quote-unquote. Um, having fun and hanging out with our friends and maybe going to, like, the club or dancing, things like that. Um, well, so yeah, but, that, but that's my question is, I mean, her most current stuff, I know, like, Praying, I don't... It's, it's a very good song, but does that... That doesn't really apply to the same feelings as, like, TikTok and stuff like that. Now, Woman... Yeah, that's true. You really can't get lit to praying. Yes, but, but it's a really good song. Yeah, I, I'm not saying she's... I don't think she's going to, like... I don't know if she'll gain any new, uh, bigger audience, but I'm saying, like, people... Like, the women that listened to her before and actually kind of understand what's what she's been through for the last five years, I think... I think she'll still have their fans there. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, I personally like the song Woman. I think it's actually pretty decent. It, it still kind of falls into almost like a party anthem. Yeah. And it's still... I, I, I was when, when her album came out, I was just really fascinated to see what she would do with the album, mm-hmm. knowing what, what, she was, what she had gone through. So I, I was just curious to see what the type of songs would be. And like you said, for, for most part, they're like women empowering like power power ballads power anthems um and i don't know it, it, that is the one silver lining out of this whole thing that I, yeah. at least i think her, her music has excelled and has definitely evolved from what it was before definitely and actually earlier today before we started recording we were looking at older music videos and um her like tiktok for example 
Um, there's so much auto tune, and if you listen to the lyrics, like, do you, is this Kesha speaking or is this Dr. Luke speaking? Like, brushing your teeth with a bottle of Jack, things like that. Is that actually Kesha expressing herself in her um, party ways, or is that Dr. Luke trying to sell an album? Uh, actually, you know? yeah. I, yeah, I never really thought like how much how much role does a producer actually play in a song? Like, because I think. Well, and also, like, come on, like, when Kesha says in TikTok, um, like, with looks, like, she only likes guys that look like Mick Jagger. Are you serious? Mick Jagger looks like he's been run over by a freight train. Um, So is that Dr. Luke speaking? Because when you think about it, he's about (laughs) 10 years older than Kesha, so maybe the Rolling Stones are more of his deal, but whatever. I don't don't think think she ever meant Mick Jagger as in when he was... (laughs) <laughs> no, I have Mick Jagger at his age currently. Well, yeah. Um, I've, I've, some, I've never, there are some foxes out there, Harrison Ford. Mm, Mick, he's looking Mick good. Jagger is not one. Well, that's what I'm saying, but there are some <laughs> I mean, men back, who were... Back then, he probably would have been. <laughs> oh, if you look that. at pictures of Mick Jagger from when he was kicking it, no, he looks rough. But that's a personal <laughs> opinion. Maybe I'm misinterpreting. Maybe Kesha really does like Mick Jagger. I, on the other hand, I am more of a fan of the Harrison Ford variety. I think he is quite the silver fox. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, well, that's interesting, but uh, uh, I don't know. I think she did write her. I mean, I, I don't think she's like a person that mm-hmm. has somebody else, a ghost, has a ghostwriter or anything like that. Right. Well, and on the topic of writing songs, maybe you guys saw this in the news recently. Um, Kelly Clarkson came out and she said that she lost hundreds of thousand dollars in royalty checks because she refused to have her name affiliated with a song that she wrote. And I personally, I'm like, okay, I understand where you're coming from, but girl, make that money. But I get it where she's well, coming from. Like, it was a song she, she wrote, but it was produced by Dr. Exactly. Luke. It was yes. produced by Dr. Luke. So I, like, I get where she's coming from, where she doesn't want to have her name um, and her product affiliated with Dr. Luke. But also on the other side, let's say that was the last thing that Kelly Clarkson could have produced successfully. Like, what do you have to live on after that? Like, in an if state, in an if potential. You know what I mean? Sure. And I, there, there's also kind of one thing I want to bring up. So, like, Right now, the case is still open mm-hmm. in, in the Supreme Court, and it could go. We, I mean, I hopefully it doesn't, but it could potentially favor in Doctor Luke. Right. And the only reason I say that is basic. Well, she basically the breach of contract. I don't think he has any validity now. Now that she's making music, mm-hmm. but the fact that if it's if it's defamation and the fact that he was never actually charged with anything. His reputation is basically is is just is gone to right. shit because well, there, of this whole thing. Well, there are other artists though that haven't necessarily gone through the the legal aspect. But Kelly Clarkson, by her saying I don't want to have my name affiliated with him, that is an indicator of she's worked with him. She knows how horrible he is. So little things like that. Even Lady Gaga. But but, but as far as the courts go, is it that she doesn't want to work with him because of how he is, or is it because of the stories that she has now heard because of Kesha. No, she initially, before, um, when especially when the free, free Kesha movement online started, she was like, yeah, I totally understand. Okay. I don't want to be affiliated with him either, but unfortunately I am. Um, she, so Kelly Clarkson and Lady Gaga are both on that same spectrum. They don't want to be affiliated with him because of his behavior. Sure, but I mean, I, at the same time you got 
Sony basically mm-hmm. completely disassociating themselves from him. So I, I mean, I don't. We're not. We're not attorneys. We're no. not. And we're just. We're basically just fans of music talking about this stuff. So. This is all just of our opinions. Yeah, and if there's anything that you guys are like, wait a minute, that's completely off. We're totally open to um, feedback and be like, oh, when you mentioned this case or this aspect of the case, it's actually interpreted as this, not what you said. So if there's anything that we've mentioned that is completely wrong, please let us know because we're all about facts here sure. in this factless world. Yeah, and, and, and I don't know. My only fear is that he might have something to go on as far as defamation. If he, yeah. Because it's basically, I, I mean, I'm not saying he didn't commit any crimes. Mm-hmm. He very male might have, but there's no proof of, at this point, there's no proof of it. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been convicted of anything. So the fact that he's basically, he's basically been blackballed from right. the industry. So I, I don't know. Well, here's the thing, though. I'm on the side of the victim when it ever comes to these things. Like, we sh- like and, well, if someone says they've been abused, they've been abused. And while I agree there's no um, hard evidence of this stuff, I feel like it was one of those things that was just bound to happen, be it Kesha or some other artist being like, yeah, Dr. Luke's a real dick, and here's why. Um, But maybe it's also setting the precedent for other managers, be like, yeah, you can't abuse your artist. They are making money not just for themselves, but for you, and they're creating their own craft. Like, they're making music... To, yeah, express what they're feeling and get out um, their um, music to the population. But really, it's for them. You know, the music what that they create is really for the artist when you think about it. At least that's what I think, especially when you look at, like, fine art. Does the artist make it for um, it to be viewed or for themselves? You know what I mean? Sure. I think, well, there are, I think there are definitely artists out there that the producer and well, that are there just to be the face. Mm-hmm. That the producer is there and actually is in a very important part of the music making process, mm-hmm. uh, especially. Well, in our next not, episode, we're going to be talking about Lou Pearlman, so we'll get more into how the producer and the manager is more concerned about making money for themselves than perhaps the artist. But sure, but I, I'm not. I'm sure there there are plenty of artists out there that are in it just to make the money and for the fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, some artists, they yeah, they don't write their own music. Mm-hmm. They they're they're basically there to be a preface and sing what be a dancing monkey and sing whatever they whatever they're given. Yeah, that's I'm not true. looking down on those artists. They, if that if that's what they want to do, if that's their job, okay. good for them. Yeah, they're cutting a check exactly. and living a nice life. But I'm saying, yeah, I'm not saying that all artists are are in it for themselves and just for the music. Yeah. Um, like we've stated, this case is ongoing. I'm curious to see how it plays out. Ideally, it would be in Kesha's favor. Um, but like Ivan said, it, there is the strong potential, especially with the defamation part of um, Dr. Luke's lawsuit, that maybe it goes into the hands of Dr. Luke and he um, comes out as the winner. But, yeah, well, I'm not um, Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't no, even no, know well, if it's a strong potential. It's just that is a, it is a possible outcome there. Mm-hmm. This kind of blows up in the face of Kesha, which would yeah. be unfortunate. However, I feel like she's a very strong fan base and a lot of support either way. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. But to end our first episode of Music Injustice, we would like to tell our listeners some of our music recommendations for the week. Yeah, the kind of stuff we've been listening to recently. Uh, 
I don't know. I, I listen to a lot of music that a lot of other people music, a lot of yeah. other listeners don't like really find or anything like that. So uh, we, we thought we'd take this portion of the show to kind of highlight some of the stuff we've been listening during the week. Uh, the first, I have two bands that I actually kind of want to highlight this week. Uh, one's uh, the Blue Stones. Uh, they're kind of a uh, an indie rock kind of blues kind of style band. Uh, great music. They got uh, two albums out right now. Uh, I think they're very underrated. Uh, so yeah, you should give them a listen. And a the second band uh, is pretty much a rising star. Uh, if you like Led Zeppelin, uh, if you like rock music in general, uh, you should check out Greta, Greta Van Fleet. Uh, they're basically a bunch of. Uh, I think there are three of the three of the band members are brothers. Uh, they're basically, I don't know. They sound a lot like Led Zeppelin. They really do. I'm not going to call them a ripoff or anything like that. But if you're like jonesing for that old uh, <laughs> 1970s, 1980s, like hardcore rock uh give them a give mm-hmm. them a listen no those are really good recommendations um my recommendations for the week are a band called she keeps bees um i actually never knew who they were until about two days ago ivan and i went to a benjamin booker concert and she was her band um she keeps bees was the opener and their band from brooklyn and um the lead uh, singer, she is very quirky. Um, when you watch her on stage, like when she they're changing to do a different song and changing sets and stuff like that, she's like, "Oh, don't mind me, I'm just messing around." Da, 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 da. Um, so she's very personable. I enjoyed her a lot, and a lot of her songs are about social justice and things of that nature. I would, how would you describe their music? Kind of like, um, kind of yeah, they're also kind of like indie blue, bluesy. Bluesy. Uh, it's just it's just her and, and the drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. Other music recommendations this week for me, mind you, this isn't a new album. It's not a new artist, but I've been listening to a lot of Rihanna recently, um, specifically her anti-album. I'm all about it right now. It's just really good. I'm kind of late to the to the party, if you will. Um, I work with a lot of college students, so every once in a while, we'll I'll listen to a song that's been out for in my mind like a minute but for them it's like oh that's such an old song i'm like is it oh okay um so i'm listening to a lot of rihanna right now and i'm all about it and she's also got a uh, a beauty line coming out so that's pretty neat so a beauty line of what a beauty line like makeup yeah makeup and i think it's specifically um marketed towards um people of color because um my friend's who are persons of color, they can't find the foundations they want in the grocery store or the Mac or Sephora because that's not made for them, which is bullshit. What Do you know what it's called? Fenty, F-E-N-T-Y. Fenty, okay. Not Fendi, like the bag. Um, so That's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about that, especially since like Kylie Jenner's doing her makeup line and... Mind you, she's got a TV show, and she's got that Kardashian money, so she's fine. But I'm excited to see what Rihanna does with her uh, makeup line. That'll be fun. Also, yeah. I like her a lot. She's pretty cool. Cool. And she still was able to get, like, a killer album, even though she released her album the same day as Lemonade. But Lemonade's really good, too. Um, yeah, not my, not quite my style of music. No, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll probably come to learn that uh, Laura's more in the pop music space. Uh, more in the 
listen to whatever. I'm also stuck in 1994 till about 2002. Yeah. So my a lot of my music recommendations are going to be like Erica Badu or um, Oops, I Did It Again, things like that. I don't know. But I feel like they're still pretty good listens and... Don't knock it, man. So, uh, yeah, I think that's where we're going to wrap up our inaugural episode of the Music Injustice Podcast. And if you guys have any um, suggestions for what we should cover, um, please email us at musicinjusticepodcast at gmail.com. Or if there's any corrections that we should go over, please email us at musicinjusticepodcast at uh, gmail.com. We want to make sure all of our information is correct and relevant. We don't want to... um, give out false information at all yeah and uh yeah this is our first episode so uh it's still kind of a work in progress <laughs> uh we we kind of took many takes on getting the the, the intro yeah the, the <laughs> intro as well as uh kind of our the all the facts and stuff right mm-hmm. so uh yeah we're bear with up, us yeah we're bear with us we're completely open to suggestions and uh well uh Join us next time uh, for our next episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lou Perlman, that man. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Thank you very much. All right. We are signing off. Thank you.